welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, we're all feeling it, so we might as well talk about it. Today, I'm calling the show The Holiday Stress Buffet and What to Do About It. Yes, this is not a buffet. (laughs) Well, I guess for some people, it's all you can eat, uh, but not literally. This is a time when um, there are so many different stressors on all of us. There are lots of good things, lots of, uh, uh, it's supposed to be a fun time, and yes, we can, of course, try to make it that way, and I'm going to tell you at the end some things that you can do to try to make sure that it is, that you have more portions of fun and happiness and warmth than of um, things that taste bad. But, you know, there's no point in trying to pretend that there aren't stressors going on during these days because that only makes it worse. Um, it, well, the first step in overcoming this stress or to turning it around is by acknowledging that there are things that are making you feel stressed out. And that's the first way of, uh, to, to try to address these things and to try to make it better. Um, you've all heard about holiday blues. What are holiday blues? Holiday blues are basically how um, all the stressors and how the things that happen in today's uh, holiday times seem to be at odds or not quite as good as the holidays you remember when you were a kid. Because when we were kids, the holidays were a relatively carefree time. Um, our parents, our families, our friends uh, made the holidays wonderful for us. You know, we, we got presents, we had parties, um, we participated in all kinds of religious rituals, whether it's lighting the Hanukkah candles, um, decorating a Christmas tree, singing carols, doing all kinds of fun things. Um, it was. It seemed like, you know, when you're the child, that it's the adults, for the most part, that are organizing these kinds of fun things for you. All you had to do was to enjoy. Um, Well, then you grow up, and uh, now you're the one who is supposed to be uh, providing all the fun and organizing everything. And sure, if you have kids, it's, you know, you can really get into that, doing that for them. Um, a lot of people these days are alone. Um, a lot of families are divorced. A lot of, uh, there are a lot of single households for various reasons. Um, there are a lot of people who are older and um, separated from their adult children. There are all kinds of situations. And so it's not, it, one can't assume, um, and in most cases it isn't, that um, everything is being made to be fun for you as a little child. So we look back on that, consciously or unconsciously. We remember all our childhood holiday times, and we're nostalgic for them. And when things seem so much more complicated um, and difficult today, it's basically that difference that causes us to have 
what's known as holiday blues, it's ba- it's, which is basically a depression that is related to the holidays. Now, of course, um, after New Year's, if they continue, if you continue to feel depressed with such symptoms as not wanting to participate in what's happening around you, you know, the usual things that you enjoy, I don't mean just specifically holiday things, but in general, the kinds of things that you enjoy, or um, if you're not able to concentrate on work, let's say, or um, if you find yourself continuing to, not just eating holiday food, but continuing to eat too much or eat too little for that matter, not wanting to partake at all, Um, sleeping too much or too little, these are typical signs of depression. Also, of course, um, if you are having... Are you, if you're feeling hopeless, not really looking forward to 2019 when the new year comes along, um, these are all signs that it is not just holiday blues, but it is a more serious depression that is overtaking you and for which you need treatment. Now, um, there, are, um, there are things that you can do in the meantime um, not not waiting for, you know, that, that's the gloom and doom that I'm talking about, but let's talk about things in the meantime that you can do to try to make sure that you don't end up in that kind of situation. Um, and as I said, the first thing is by acknowledging the things that are bothering you, that are, that are stressing you out. I mean, of course, there's the usual things like buying all the presents for everybody. Um, you know, yes, that can be fun, but it's also stressful. Um, making family meals, getting together with family members when there are old arguments that seem to surface, old resentments. Um, These are some of the kinds of things that can make the holidays more stressful. Um, Also, of course, there is politics. I mean, besides the usual kinds of stressors that are typical of the holidays, um, it seems in this year and even the last year, but it's getting seems to be getting worse. There's more of a of a political divide in our country, and regardless of which side you're on, um, it is very, very, very stressful and has been. Um, it's just there are new there are new points, new things that come up in the news that um, are bones of contention between the two parties that just bring it out all over again for whatever the uh, particular, the particular um, bone of contention is, whether it's who becomes a Supreme Court justice. You know, we went through all of that for uh, what seemed like an endless amount of time. To now, of course, it's the border wall. And... Um, there are, there are uh, today, in fact, you know, that's kind of the news for today, that um, there was a meeting in the Oval Office between President Trump and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer uh, talking about the border wall. And fortunately, and if you've heard some of my past shows, you know how I feel about that. I believe that there should be a border wall, and it's way overdue. The country voted for it two years ago. That was one of the main points that President Trump um, ran on, and that uh, obviously that he won on. And it is not racist to say that you don't want migrants with disease and criminal backgrounds and criminal intents coming across the border. 
Um, so there was this meeting to discuss the border wall today. And, um, of course, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer were against it. And, um, and, of course, President Trump was for it and was asking for money for it. And that's where, why it all came about today, because the question is how much money, uh, if any, is going to be uh, agreed upon by Congress to fund the border wall. Now, this has been an argument really since Trump took office. I mean, he has all along wanted the border wall. That's not a surprise. And all along there has been opposition to it from the Democratic Party. So today, what was uh, different about today is that, you know, that this meeting happened and uh, the first 20 minutes of it was televised. Um, and that, which was a good thing, because it really showed, you know, where everybody was coming from. And Nancy Pelosi was quite angry that it was being televised um, and asked, you know, for it to stop. And, and I guess after 20 minutes, uh, Trump agreed. But the, the nation was able to get uh, the gist. <laughs> uh, I mean, I could have, we all could have guessed beforehand, but the nation was able to, to get the gist and to see in these first 20 minutes what um, everybody was actually saying. And I think it's very important for there to be this kind of transparency, regardless, again, of which side you're on. Um, so that, you know, so, so, I mean, so how does that affect us and what does this have to do with the holidays? Well, you know, it shows us that in addition to celebrating our holidays in the background, there are, there is all this, um, contention going on and all this, um, these potential threats and these potential problems and, um, and, you know, the fact that, that, I mean, because Trump was uh, threatening to shut down the government, was saying in the end that if there's not going to be this agreement in terms of the funding, that he would have to shut down the government. Well, you know, <laughs> of course that is scary, but, um, but I mean, none of us, I'm sure, want the government to be shut down. But on the other hand, I think he is getting tired of playing nice and trying to, I know, I know some of you are thinking, what, playing nice? He never played nice. <laughs> well, trying to, um, trying to be cooperative or to find some kind of um, compromise, you know, which basically he has been doing uh, for, since he took office. And enough is enough, especially with the migrants at our front door, really, literally knocking on the door, um, go, crossing over in, with more, uh, what, vehemence, more, more of them at the front door to begin with, you know, with these thousands of migrants having mi migrated there uh, in the past month or so. And um, so, it, you know, so this problem isn't just theoretical, um, it is... It is uh, more imminent to the solution. You know, needing a solution is more imminent. And I think um, he has finally, you know, is finally very concerned about, well, he's always been concerned about security, but he's finally see, sees the problem as something that really needs to be taken care of even more quickly than ever before. So, yes, so in addition to, you know, singing Christmas carols and Hanukkah songs, we are, you know, in the background, we have the songs, so to speak, of the news, which is uh, frightening and putting somewhat of a damper on our celebrations. Not that there isn't always, okay, this year it's the border wall in particular, 
But um, every year there is something in the news that is um, that is scary and threatening to our security, and particularly since nine eleven, of course. Um, and so there is that added level to our celebrations. Um, oh, for the picture perfect. Christmas cards and Hanukkah cards of the past, where it really was more just about, you know, what were we going to make for dinner? Well, um, we are coming to the end of this first segment, and um, when we come back, I'll talk more about the holiday stress buffet and what you can do about it. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Don't write yourself and welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about the holiday stress buffet and what to do about it. Uh, I might as well finish off what I was saying about the wall. <laughs> uh, I was talking about how, in addition to the usual uh, family and holiday stresses, um, that there are also the stresses of things that are going on in the world that can't help but that we can't help but be thinking about at some level in addition to our more personal uh, stressors. Um, so getting back to the wall, because I feel super strongly about this, um, there, you know, and, 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 you know, the quick, easy response is, oh, well, you're just racist. You don't want the migrants to come in. 
It has nothing at all to do with race. It has to do with um, common sense and um, the fact that that um, there are so many reasons. I mean, it, it almost seems ridiculous to be to be having to mention all these reasons why it is not a good idea to let the migrants come in willy-nilly. I mean, we all know that there have been people crossing the border illegally all along. Um, It's just that about a month ago or so, there was someone or some group who sold migrants uh, a bunch of goods from um, Honduras and some other Central American countries um, to um, in South American countries to that they should come across the border into the United States. Uh, that if they rushed the border, that they could get in and then they could apply for asylum. Now, it is true that in countries like um, El Salvador, Honduras, um, countries like that, there is, of course, a lot of poverty and there are gangs and there are all kinds of problems. Um, and it is very sad, and I totally think that the United States and other countries should be helping these countries that have these really severe problems to help their citizens uh, make it better. But the solution to this problem is not um, letting everybody into the United States who uh, wants to come, <laughs> because, you know, it's better than in their country. Um, this is what's happening in Europe. We've seen, you know, it's, it's, we're seeing the problem right before our eyes. We're seeing what's, what's happening to countries like uh, the UK and France and Germany, um, how letting in an, un, uh, an unrestricted number of migrants, I mean, yes, if they're restricted or they, you know, it was too little too late, they started restricting it, but it's still not really... Uh, there are still lots of holes in the immigration process. There are still lots of immigrants coming in willy-nilly to these countries where there was a better standard of living and a better cultural life than in the countries that they came from, like in, like Syria and so on, uh, coming in through Greece and Turkey and, and um, I mean, Greece and Italy and um, taking advantage of the social services that these countries had to help the migrants and yet causing all kinds of violence, including terror attacks, actual terrorist attacks. I mean, a number of these people um, are actual terrorists, have come not just because they get food stamps, and I'm being a little sarcastic, um, but because because they came to create terror attacks because uh, in the name of Islam and in the name of ISIS. So, so we are seeing what happens when this kind of um, unrestricted migration is allowed to happen. So it, it just seems, it just seems to me, quite frankly, it, it always seems ridiculous to have to explain this to people that um, that this is super dangerous. Now, I had on a guest. A couple of weeks ago, um, a physician who was explaining some of the specific diseases. Um, that were coming in with these migrants and could potentially come in with these migrants. Basically, diseases that in our country, because they are not prevalent in America, in the United States, um, we don't have 
um, vaccines against them or we haven't vaccinated a large percentage of the population against it um, because we, uh, this, these aren't diseases that we have to worry about or have had to worry about in the past. Um, but uh, with the migrants coming in, things like tuberculosis, that is something that we've already seen coming in to the United States uh, through migration. Um, but, but a lot more, but, but diseases that are much more esoteric, much rarer, much um, uh, things that, that are, are very lethal and are essentially, it's essentially bioterrorism, allowing these migrants to come in without quarantining them and without doing a whole history, a medical history as well as a political history, and a criminal history, we are essentially allowing bioterrorism to come into our country, as well as other aspects of terrorism, because there is no question but that there are actual ISIS, Al-Qaeda terrorists amongst the group of so-called migrants. Now, on the one hand, I do feel sorry for the migrants because they have been sold a bill of goods Many of the migrants, especially the mothers, you know, the families, I mean, there are some women with children. Uh, some of the families have been, are not really biological families, but we'll leave that for now. Um, but I do feel sorry, particularly with the children, for the children um, and the people with the children who have been sold a bill of goods by the, whoever it is who has, uh, cause this whole migration to start to happen because they promised them that they would be able to get across the border. They gave them false hope that they would be able to storm America, to storm the, the borders, basically. And so when, um, just recently, when, in fact, the first wave of these thousands of migrants came to the border, notably in California, uh, at Tijuana, but other places as well, and they were pushed back, and there, you know, the, the, there has been a wall of sorts, a mini wall, a temporary wall of sorts that President Trump um, managed to create through the Border tr Patrol and through the military and the um, uh, National Guard. You know, they were able to make, to, to strengthen uh, the border that was there, to the extent that there is a border, and to create a little bit more of a border. It's not at all the border wall that Trump was talking about, but it was strengthened. The border was strengthened. And in fact, when this first wave of migrants tried to come across, they didn't find it as easy as they had been led to believe by whoever it is who is behind the whole migrant sudden, you know, because you know these thousands of migrants did not all wake up one morning and say to each other, hey, this is the day we're going to start a migration to come to the United States. This is a great idea. Why don't we all do this? Clearly, there was someone or some group um, who had political reasons for having thousands of migrants storm the border. I mean, one reason would be to destroy the United States. Another reason would be um, for... You know, clearly, uh, Democrats benefit by there being more um, more migrants because they are more likely to vote Democratic. I mean, I'm not. I'm sure I'm not telling you. Well, I hope I'm not telling you anything that's super new. Um, but anyhow, 
whoever it is, <laughs> um, clearly, you know, when they got to the border, they found, the migrants found that it was not as easy to cross as they had been led to believe. And, um, and now many of them are sitting in these uh, camps in Tijuana and other places, which are horrible conditions, squalid conditions, talk about disease, um, you know, this is like, now this is like an incubation uh, area for disease because there, it's thousands of people squished together in um, very bad uh, surroundings, very limited surroundings, limited hygiene. Um, I mean, it is just, it, it's, it's a petri dish. It's a place to grow diseases. They're in such close quarters with each other. This is like the perfect, the perfect storm, the perfect place to build, to grow diseases, whatever each one of them uh, may have brought in with them. Uh, they are, it is a place for them, to, for it to grow with, as I said, the poor hygiene, you know, toilet conditions are very bad, all these thousands of people sharing so few toilets, that kind of thing. Um, other kinds of things that, you know, washing, there's very little, if any, washing facilities. I mean, because, and it's not, it's not the fault of Mexico. <laughs> I mean, they, you know, they should not be expected to have to provide these kinds of things. They, I, to the best of my knowledge, they have been trying to um, do what they can for humanitarian reasons, but they are just not set up for this. Now, Mexico has also offered some of the migrants a job and um, places to live, you know, to get them to stop uh, before they got to the border, and some of the migrants have taken advantage of that, which is great. Some of the migrants have gone home. There have been some offers of payment to migrants to go back to their country, but there are still plenty of them knocking at the door of America, and no matter whoever is has been um, funding this to begin with, you know, funding the buses and the trucks and all of these, the food and all of these things that these migrants have been getting along the way, um, some of them came from just the Mexican people, but some of them came, they, it was prearranged by whoever was funding the whole migration. So they are not likely to stop um, unless we build a stronger wall, stronger protection. And... You know, if you had any questions as to whether there was a criminal element or whether the, these people were violent, some of them, not all of them, I am not saying that all of them are violent, but we have seen in some of the border crossing attempts, the, some of the migrants throwing rocks at the border patrol, um, being very aggressive and violent, doing so. So we know that you know just to get into the country, are these the kinds of people that you would like to have into your country? Um, obviously not. So, so this is a major problem, and yes, it is in the back of the mind um, of all of us because we're hearing it in the news. It's in the it's the the, the background music, so to speak, to our holiday celebrations. And yes, it is adding a lot more stress. So stay tuned. Uh, we'll take another break. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask 
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about the holiday stress buffet and what to do about it. In other words, what not to eat. (laughs) What to eat and what not to eat. Now, as stressful as your life may be during this time, for all the reasons that I have been talking about, just the typical uh, holiday stress as well as stress because of things going on in the news that affect us all, um, there are some people who are having an even more stressful time because of natural disasters or personal disasters. December seems to be a time of the year when there is a lot of death. Um, And you may have been noticing that, uh, I hope not within your own family or friends, but um, certainly if you think about it right now, think about all the people you know, um, it you may well know somebody, chances are you know somebody who is experiencing a death um, in their own family. And, um, and it, as I said, it's a, it's a particularly large amount of time, no, a large amount of, of people uh, and deaths in December. You know, because sometimes it's because of the weather. In part, it's because of the stresses that we're talking about. Um, their, uh, you know, diseases that are, I mean, you know, um, the typical, I don't, the typical kinds of diseases, I'm not talking about migrant or odd diseases, but, you know, the, the kind, this is often a time when people get sick. Um, and so, also, you know, uh, besides natural disasters, just the weather even causing, um, causing heart attacks, people shoveling sh- snow, for example, 
or um, the stress of driving on roads covered in snow. There are all kinds of reasons why December is a particularly difficult month in terms of death. But as you know, there also have been a number of natural disasters, um, well, November and December, actually. Um, and I, as I um, mentioned in a previous show, um, am someone who was involved in the Malibu fire. I live in Malibu, and I have been evacuated. And um, fortunately, and I am very grateful that my house did not burn, um, but... Um, it, I still have a lot of smoke damage and toxic air and so on that I am dealing with. Um, and there is, it becomes more, little did I know, it becomes much more complicated in terms of insurance and in terms of what you have to look out for and the things, the toxins that come into your house, even when your house hasn't burned itself, um, but toxins that come in. It's a whole complicated mess, basically, of things that need to be cleaned up properly. And there's dealing with insurance, and there's all kinds of things that you really don't need. Certainly, I can speak for myself, and really, most of the people in Malibu who have very busy lives, and um, as it is, I don't get finished with my to-do list by the end of every day. That was before the Malibu fire. So this is adding a lot of additional unwanted stress. But yet, I am grateful uh, that my house did not burn. However, there were at least 400 homes that did burn in Malibu. And there were homes in in Southern California, other parts of Southern California. And then there were the homes in Northern California in the Paradise Fire, which was even a greater disaster and more people being displaced from their homes. So, I wrote a, an article for the Malibu Times called Psychological Recovery, and I called it Post-Fire Stress Syndrome. Now, I'm going to go through some of these um, symptoms of post-fire stress syndrome, and even if you have not had a fire, which I hope, um, I think there are probably things that you can relate this to. You know, some of these things are sort of um, general kind of PTSD sorts of symptoms, and some of them are related to natural disasters that you may have had from Hurricane Sandy to, um, oh, the the Florida um, uh, storms to, you know, (laughs) chances are you may have been involved in or near or affected in some way by some natural disaster in the not-too-distant past, or maybe not-too-distant future. This is something that seems to be, and if you want to say it's global warming or whatever it is, I don't know. But I do know that there do seem to be a a greater frequency of natural disasters happening. So I think it will be useful to you to go through some of this, some of the symptoms um, of post-fire or post-natural disaster stress syndrome. So the first one that I talk about is shock. You may well have felt shock at the first notice of encroaching fires, message of mandatory evacuation, or sight of your neighborhood. And the next symptom is denial. You may lapse into states of denial, pretending to yourself that you're fine. It's the way the mind protects itself by processing the impact a little at a time. Then overwhelm. 
You undoubtedly were glued to the TV while the fire was raging, hoping to get a glimpse of your home, yet fearful that the next shot of a home engulfed in flames would be yours. After being evacuated in suspended animation, you may still feel in limbo, paralyzed by the overwhelming task of putting your life back together. Now, I've been going to the weekly meetings that they have in Malibu for people um, who are suffering in some way from the fire. And um, despite the fact that it has been, it's now approximately a month since the fire started um, and the fire has been put out, um, still people are in these states that I'm describing to you uh, because of uh, basically a state of limbo paralyzed by the overwhelming task of putting life back together. So um, another symptom, and, and, you know, television, you probably have seen the shots of the fire wherever you live. You probably saw shots of the Malibu fire, which were, really scary, and the, the um, of course, the television stations were putting um, shots of homes that were burning because that was a, a lot more sensational than shots of just, you know, homes that weren't burning. So, in a sense, if you, um, if you lived in Malibu and you wanted to know what the fate of your home was at that point, in a way, you were hoping to see a picture of your home and hoping to see it being intact. But then, you know, it was scary to see a picture of your home because you knew they were showing the homes that were engulfed in flames. So it was a very, very strange kind of state to be in. Helplessness. Whether you were standing by your burning house with a garden hose or watching the fire on TV, you likely felt helpless in the face of Mother Nature. Anxiety. Although you may know the extent of damage, you may be anxious about how you're going to get through the next phase, whether you've lost your home, your neighborhood, or your routine, and the bureaucratic red tape seems daunting. Sadness. Any loss brings on feelings of sadness, an existential loneliness, and a longing for how things once were. You may feel sad about the loss of tangible things, or the sense of security you once had. You know, there is this kind of sense in Malibu about uh, how, and of course it isn't realistic, but still it's kind of, I mean, I guess it's helped by uh, the tabloids that this is supposed to be a kind of paradise of its own, and so you kind of are lulled into thinking nothing bad could happen here. Misunderstood. You may be feeling misunderstood, by those who offer platitudes like, one second, the signs in the next page, um, platitudes like, you can rebuild. Although you may be able to rebuild the walls and roof of your dream home, there are irreplaceable items, memories of a lifetime that are forever lost and can't simply reappear like in a cartoon. Resentment. You may resent people who say everyone in Malibu is a rich celebrity, so the fire won't be a big deal for them. Indeed, these are people whose schadenfreude is showing. Their jealousy over the Malibu lifestyle makes them take pleasure in our pain. Schadenfreude is when you feel, you know, it's kind of like, that's why schadenfreude is something that keeps uh, the tabloid 
shows going um, in the sense that, you know, on the one hand, I mean, we're obsessed with celebrities or some people are obsessed with celebrities. And yet at the same time, when things, when celebrities are having problems, um, there are some people who can't help but feel a bit of uh, like, ha ha, you know, because they're jealous. That now, that isn't to say that everyone in Malibu is a celebrity or rich. Um, anger. It's natural to feel frustrated and angry about this tragedy and want to blame others, such as for there not being enough fire engines, or yourself, such as for not having gotten the dead palm tree fronds trimmed. In other words, being angry. There is valid anger, um, and there are going to be lawsuits about the fact that there weren't enough fire engines in Malibu. Um, but then also, you, a lot of people are angry at themselves for things that they think that had they done this, the fire wouldn't have come to their house, like getting dead palm tree fronds trimmed. Financial insecurity. It's not only the loss of property that may be causing you financial insecurity, but also the work days and opportunities you may have lost by being evacuated or being unable to concentrate on work. Then survivor guilt. If your house didn't burn and your neighbor's house did, you may well experience survivor guilt. So then I talk about now what, what to do, and this can kind of go for, um, for what to do with stress from the holidays as well. Um, obviously, if, as I was saying at the beginning, if feelings about the holidays or feelings about any kind of trauma that you've had aren't subsiding on their own, then you would need um, to get professional help. A lot of people are susceptible to developing PTSD. In regards to fire, it's people who didn't evacuate or if the fire triggered memories of similar situations such as past fires or even 9-11. A number of people have talked about, um, particularly people who moved to Malibu from New York, or had some connection to 9-11, talked about how the fires reminded them of 9-11 because of um, the ash that was all over Malibu, just like it was all over New York. And, um, and, you know, people, people fleeing, um, the loss, just loss in general, loss at that kind of a magnitude. I mean, of course, it was even greater on 9-11, but this is just triggering. This can trigger and has been triggering uh, PTSD in people who did suffer during 9-11. Well, um, it's time for another break. When we come back, we'll talk more about this. And as as promised at the beginning, I will give you some more um, coping skills as well. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. 
Dr. Carroll is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at one 866 472 5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about the holiday stress buffet and what to do about it. Now I'm going to be talking to you more about what to do about it than just adding on more stressors to you, like I was mentioning at the beginning, just in case you weren't thinking about some of those things. Um, it's interesting how um, a lot of the things that I ta- wrote about in my article in the Malibu Times about psychological re- recovery from the fires, um, a lot of my now what, my suggestions for what people can do, really can apply to holiday stress or any kind of stress, stress from a trauma, a natural disaster, really um, personal stress, any kind of stress. So um, I... Uh, I talked about, I mean, um, aside from survivor guilt, I talked about volunteering. But then here's the key thing uh, for anybody who's experiencing stress. Be aware that stress and loss wreak havoc on your immune system, making you more vulnerable to everything from colds to cancer. So be extra kind to your body. Eat healthy food, take vitamins, get enough sleep, and exercise. And we all know that those are the things that we're supposed to do, but somehow we let the stress and the demands of our everyday lives get in the way. But when you're experiencing stress, again, whether it's holiday stress, stress from a trauma or a loss such as a death, um, you you just have to discipline yourself to do these things that you know you're supposed to do because, I mean, research has shown, I'm not making this stuff up, research has shown that uh, the immune system goes down the more stress you're under and, you know, that can include such things as cancer. Um, you, You know, I mean, all of that is regulated by the immune system and so when you're experiencing tremendous stress or loss, you do have to make discipline yourself to take extra good care of yourself. Another example of what to do in that regard is take mental health days to relax and take your mind off your worries. 
meditate, get a massage, have dinner with friends, take a walk on the beach or where, wherever you live, you know, some, um, an area where there's nature. Then um, social support is key. This is your golden opportunity to get to know your neighbors, well, beyond waving at them as you pull into your driveway. I mean, that it was in regard to the Malibu neighbors, but, but in, in regard to anything, I mean, one of the things that is amazing and that I've personally experienced from the fire um, is, that you, is that people reach out to you um, to express their concern, to their, their sadness for what you're going through, um, and, and come with offers of help where they say, please tell me, what can I do to help? And they really mean it. And you, when people offer you that, I mean, I know we all tend or most of us tend to not take people up on that. We don't want to bother them um, and so on. But really, I mean, think of it yourself. When you've offered to help a friend or a family member, um, really it makes you feel good if they ask you to do something to help them. Um, let's see. Deepen spiritual ties. Um, you probably saw the cell phone video. Now, this isn't just for people in Malibu, but you, this was on national television. There was a cell phone video taken by a woman who drove through the fire, the Malibu fire, on Canaan Road, and she was saying, God, please help me. Um, that was a profound reminder of our need to connect to God or higher power, whatever you believe in. I mean, in other words, don't wait until you are in a life-threatening situation and all of a sudden, you know, oh yeah, I better ask God for help. I mean, it is so important to um, cultivate a relationship with God or higher power, not just when you're in a jam (laughs) or a life-threatening predicament, but like throughout your life, and especially uh, if you have children, it is so important to start when they're very little to introduce them to your religion and to a belief in God or at least a higher power. And um, because it is so, I mean, really nowadays with all the things going on in our, wor- in our world, um, all the threats and so on, um, Everyone, I mean, in a sense, we're all in a life-threatening situation every day. It may not be as close as, you know, a fire next door, but um, but really, there are, we, we do feel the threats on various sides of us and, and sort of an existential threat. So there is no question but that having faith in God or a higher power, whatever your God is, um, helps us and helps children get through whatever it is that they're going through. Um, You know, when 9-11 happened, all of a sudden the churches and synagogues were filled. Everybody did, uh, you know, go try to be in touch with God. And, um, And then as, you know, the years have passed, people sort of have drifted away. Um... Churches and synagogues are much less full than they were after 9-11. And um, we really shouldn't be waiting. It's, you know, if you wait until you're, you're feeling personally in an imminent life-threatening situation, um, you're the, the, the comfort that you can get 
from God or religion is a lot less than if you're practicing it every single day or every week, you know, going to church or synagogue every week or doing, um, you know, well, of course, now this is a great time with Christmas and Hanukkah just passed, but Christmas, you know, practicing um, uh, the rituals of these holidays is a great time to remind you, but not just sort of in a, in a detached, um, let's get presents kind of way, but in a real connecting to God kind of way. Um, what else? Um, become an activist. You can change your home so it's safer from fire and change the status quo so there are more fire resources. This is the perfect time to start a gratitude journal since you're more aware of the many people and things that matter to you. Most of all, you can be grateful for the fire sparing your life and the lives of your loved ones and pets. But again, you have other things in your life to be grateful for. Reframe the situation. Instead of focusing on your losses, think of it as the universe having a better plan for you than the course you are on. You may eventually come to realize that something good happened as a serendipitous result. Now, again, that could be in relation to a fire or, or any other kind of traumatic event in your life or, um, or just, you know, a general sense of, of overwhelming stress. Now, um, well, we've come to the end of the of the uh, show. Boy, that went quickly. Um, I just want to wish you a happy belated Hanukkah and a Merry Christmas. And um, whatever, you know, whatever there has been and are, you know, look back on your year and think about all of the good things that there were as well as acknowledging the things that have been stressful or less than what you wanted, some of the losses. We've all, everybody has good things and bad things. You know, I sometimes think that uh, God chooses to make bad things happen in our life when we've had a big, a long run of good things so that uh, because he feels that now we're strong enough to handle the bad things. However you want to look at it, um, I wish you all good things for the holidays and um, try to take those mental health days where you pamper yourself because your life may depend upon it. Thank you all for being here, and um, I will be uh, talking to you again next week. And meanwhile, have a very, very happy holiday. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 